Welcome to She's a 10 times 5. You got it. That's the big 5-0. Listen along as we try to figure out our what's next as we venture into this new age of reinvention. Through relatable topics, real-life stories, and inspiring guests, join us on our journey of growth and laughter. Hey, I'm Lori, former Army Airborne Captain, but don't let that fool you. I'm the loose cannon. And I'm Lisa, a girl's girl who loves sugar, but watch out for that spice. Let's do this. Welcome back, everybody, to She's a 10 Times 5. Hey, Lori. Hey, Lisa. How are we? I'm doing good. I'm doing very good. Sitting at the desk. Having a fun day interviewing amazing women. Amazing women. Mm-hmm. And we've got a sledgehammer coming oh, at yeah. you on this episode. I'm in and not lying when I say that because, you know, I, I, I tend to stretch the truth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not but this time. not this time. Okay. Not this time. Okay. No. no, no, no. But no, I think that today is it's a good time to bring this up because obviously what She's a 10 Times 5 is all about is you know, finding our next groove and moving into this second act of our lives and being ready to take on new things. And we're also going through some graduations and different things in our personal lives mm-hmm. that popped up. Yeah, popped right? up. So it's interesting because Lisa um, sent me a link mm-hmm. to Abby Wambach's speech at LMU, which has gone viral. If you haven't seen it, y- you must be living under a rock. And what really resonated with me, and, and you know, Lisa, this is something that I say over and over again. What she mentioned was if you are lucky enough to have a seat at the table, and that could be metaphorically speaking, yes. basically a voice, instead of being complacent and trying to sustain your seat at the table— you have an obligation and really, especially as a woman, to turn the table on its head. Don't be afraid of losing your seat, but instead use your seat as a vehicle for those that don't have the voice or to do the things that you're really passionate about. And our guest today, Kelly Masters, is that woman. Yes, her story is who fabulous. got finally got a friggin' seat at the table, and she's not sitting back and mm-hmm. and just trying to maintain her seat. She's doing something with it, and we are so grateful to have you. Welcome, Kelly. Yes. Uh, thank you, ladies. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Okay, I'm going to give the proper bio so they know who because I, I did say sledgehammer. That's a you know big euphemism. <laughs> so I'm going to give your um your bio here. So. Kelly Masters is recognized as one of the most influential women in sports business. She often hears you have a dream job, but chooses to inspire others, not with her successes, but with her vulnerability, sharing not only the victories, but also the battles and failures along the way. And damn it, do we all have those? Oh, yes, we do. Kelly is an attorney and NFL sports agent and founder and president of KMM Sports, a full-service sports management company with offices in New York, L.A., and her hometown of Oklahoma City, which, by the way, she was former Miss Oklahoma, what, in 1997, I think it was. Nice. And she has been featured in USA Today, Cosmopolitan, Bleacher Report, my kid's favorite, New York Times, ESPN, Marie Claire, among others, and released, and why we have her here today, because we've had listeners that are huge fans of this book, High Impact Life, A Sports Agent's Secrets to Finding Purpose You Cannot Lose. Absolutely. That, like, Does that get, yes, yes. that wait, wait, requires like this, an applause. Yes. 
Yes. Okay. Yes. That's our crowd. That's our live audience. Okay. Yes. I love that. I need, I need that. Everyone. Yeah. I can cheer for myself. Cheer. Or, <laughs> or, you know what, when you score a deal, how about this one? <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's jump, jump right in, Lise. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I, I got you, I got you thrown off with the cackle. The yes, witch's cackle. you did. Yes, you did. I, I'm, I'm really five. And sometimes you get. I'm 50 going on five. You know, this is what happens when you put a woman in the constructs of West Point and the Army and they're really not meant to be there. And then you, oh you, you uncage the tiger and then you get a five year old. So, you know. <laughs> well, I love it. All right, Kelly. Well, let, let's start with your story and, and give our listeners a little bit about who you are and how you got started on your path of where you are today, because we love sharing our guest stories and really connecting with our audience to that. So give us a little bit about Kelly. Okay. Well, and I love hearing people's stories because yes. nobody, there's no like, this is the way, <laughs> this is the way to do it. Everybody has a different path. And I, I, my path is so twisty and turny and bizarre, but I love sharing it because people start to go, Oh, well, if, if she went through all that and did all that, I can, I can do that too. Like I'm, I'm okay where I am. So I grew up in Oklahoma, um, born and raised a football fan. Um, my father was in the military. He also became an attorney, but he was also a radio play-by-play guy. And so I kind of, in a way, followed in his footsteps to law school, but grew up listening to him call games and always had this fascination with sports. But funny, in law school, in undergrad and in law school, I never thought there was going to be a possibility of a career for me in sports. I just loved football, just loved sports. So in the middle of law school, um, I decided, first of all, I needed to... Law school was really expensive, so I decided I needed to get a scholarship, try to earn a scholarship. I did so doing something that I said I would never do, and that's enter a beauty pageant. So I won Miss Oklahoma, went to the Miss America pageant, and if anyone gives me grief about it, my scholarship paid for my law school. Absolutely. So it was definitely an amazing experience, and it also really got me out of my shell. I was not... I'm very naturally introverted. If anyone's seen my TED talk, I was painfully shy growing up. No one that knew me growing up would have ever imagined I'd be doing what I do now at all. And I I credit that to Miss Oklahoma and Miss America and that whole experience. So finished law school, went to work at a law firm here in Oklahoma City. And while I was in law school, I kind of had this moment, this sort of epiphany, if you will, um, or maybe it was called hitting rock bottom. (laughs) I I just, whatever it was, drove me to my knees. I had lived this life where I had been so driven, nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with being driven and wanting to be excellent. But when you're driven by perfection and an obsession with what people think of you and like finding your self-worth and value and what other people see, mm-hmm. it will lead you to ultimately to a really dark place. And so I reached that really dark place where it wasn't that I wanted to stop being good or excellent at anything. I just was tired of like living with this facade that I had it all together and that I was always going to achieve every goal that anyone ever thought I could achieve. I just kind of wanted to surrender all of that and say, what's, what, why am I on this earth? What, am I, what was I put here to do? So it was that moment that ultimately led me as I pursued my law, law career to working with nonprofit organizations. That's, that was the pivot for me was 
I don't want to just be out there doing the big deals or winning the big cases. I want to help make a difference in the world. And the way I knew to do that was to help people who had vision and use my legal skills to do that. Funny how everything kind of comes full circle with my passion for sports. My work with nonprofits led me five years into it. So I was 32 to working with my first professional athlete. And it was helping him with his foundation and with giving back. And it was his mom. So again, the, the powerhouse women his mom who grabbed my hand and said, I think you're missing your calling. We would have signed with you as an agent. Wow. Uh, where were you in the beginning? And I kind of looked at her like, no, no, no. Like I'm not Jerry Maguire. I'm, I'm just a lawyer. I just love helping people. I love helping people make a difference. I love fighting for people. And she's like, yes, that's, that's what, that's what we needed. We needed someone to fight for us, to care about us and help us, you know, help my son make a difference in the world. So that became the the jumping off point to becoming an agent. So that was in 2005. I took the agent exam that summer, got my certification and became, went on to become the first woman to represent a top five pick in the NFL. And it's what's so amazing is I was, yes, I was one of the first women to women to get certified as an NFL agent, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to be, I just, I didn't strive to be the first. I just wanted to bust down the door for what I knew I was called to do and what my purpose was in life. And I wanted to tell other women, come with me, come with (laughs) me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if nobody's done it before. It doesn't matter if people are telling you women don't do that. Whatever you feel like your calling is and your purpose is in life do it. And it's never too late. Yeah. I I talk to students all the time that are, that think it's too late to chase their dreams. I'm like, I was 32 when I even decided to do what I do now. And even now, as I'm approaching 50, I've pivoted into new areas. It's never too late. I love that pivoting. And yeah. Yeah. Could you do this for me? Because myself and Lisa and, and my boys watched your, your Ted talk. Mm-hmm. I call it TEDx. They call it Ted talk. I don't know. We had an argument yeah. about it, but you <laughs> have the, you have the moment where you walked in the mm-hmm. room mm-hmm. to take your certification for the NFL and you have two chances only. Right. So it's not like the bar where you can keep taking it over and over. I think that that was so visceral for me and, you know, where you walk in that room and you're the outsider and Uh you've got this limited window to just, you know, kind of take control. Walk us through that, because I think that that there's a lot of people that would walk out of that room. (laughs) Well, and I I write about it in my book. I I prepared for so many months to take that exam. So I, I walked into this big ballroom. It was, I'll never forget it. It's, it was at the Ritz Carlton in DC. I'd never even been to a Ritz Carlton. <laughs> I was already intimidated. And then I walked into the ballroom and I felt like I'd prepared for the test, but I had not prepared for the moment. Mm, and yeah, that's good. It was like the whole room of hundreds of men like turn around and stare and then start whispering and talking and I mean, I, part of me wanted to just be like, I'm in the wrong room (laughs) and just run to the ladies room and hide because clearly nobody was going to be in line there. And so I almost did that. But at the last minute, I kind of found a seat and sat down at the back and I just closed my eyes and I was like, I just, you know, I, I know I belong here, but right now I'm not feeling it. Um, I feel like I'm the total outsider. I'm questioning whether I have what it takes, not just to take this test, but to be an agent 
because I just, you know, if it's going to be like this, where I'm constantly looked at with judgment or skepticism, or they've already made their mind up that, well, you know, she's a girl, what does she know? I knew, I, I knew that the battle ahead of me was a lot bigger than I had expected. Yeah. And so I think I talked about it in, in the, in my TEDx to talk, whatever, that when I closed my eyes, I had this like vision that popped into my head and it was, I had all the nerves and everything. Everyone was nervous. It's, it's a very difficult test. Sure. To pass. I think the passage rates 30% ish. And so I had this vision pop in my head and it was of, of little boys like playing in the backyard or like neighborhood kids that are just playing a football game and they're pretending to be their favorite player. And I felt like I was watching them and watching these little boys and thinking and uh, realizing someday they're going to need me. You know, one of them, or maybe some of them are going to grow up and they're going to want to play football at the highest level. They're going to want to fulfill their dreams and they're going to need me to be ready to fight for them and to advocate and to protect them. And that's, I opened my eyes, like ready to take the test. Like I got to be ready for those little kids, for those little boys when they grow up and their mamas, when their mamas are looking at me going, help my son, protect my son, fight for my son. I need to be ready for that. And so that's all the, that's, that's all the motivation I needed to get through that test. And then, yeah, I think I also share in my TED kind of the, the rest of the story, the Paul Harvey rest of the story. Yes, well, you did. Wait, before you do that, and at least I want to get your yeah. take uh, your take on this is, you know what, what I got out of that, you know, I have two boys. She has three girls. We're mama bears. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And I, you know, I was sitting myself after you told that story and then you revisited it, but like, what an obvious choice to have an agent who's a woman that has the mama bear mentality. You're not going to mess with my bear cub. And, Two, that provides the the love, the emotional equation part of it to their client. And I'm like sitting there like, well, they should all be female agents, right? <laughs> right? It makes sense. I get right? it. Yeah. That was the fun yeah. part of getting in the business. Like I said, I didn't intend to be the first or be a pioneer or trailblazer. I just knew I had found, because of a mom that spoke vision mm-hmm. and encouraged me, I realized I'd found this is what I'm supposed to do. And it wasn't just that women weren't doing it. It was that women were literally being told you can't do it. Right. I was told to my face um, multiple times that women don't belong in this business. And there was this whole thought process or mindset that as to be an NFL agent, you need to be egotistical and tough and curse a lot, which is, I mean, I curse a little, but you know, that you have to just be this like rough and you know, gregarious, just have this certain like male mentality or that you had to have played football or, you know, you have to go out and go to the strip club with all the guys. And and there's this image of what a sports agent was going to look like or is supposed to look like. And I flipped that script by saying, wait a minute, you're telling me that women aren't wired to be agents, to be sports agents. Well, describe what an agent actually does. An agent fights for their clients. They protect their clients. They are that fierce advocate that is always in the client's corner. To me, that sounds like a mama bear, right? And as players, and I know you all are like this, if your kid is facing something at school or in sports or in dance or whatever activity, and they, they come home and they're sad or someone bullied them or they're not getting an opportunity or something went wrong. 
who do they come to? Who, who do they know is going to fight for them? Right. It's mom. It's your mom. So I started, you know, not single-handedly because I was not the only woman on the planet that was a certified agent. Um, but my goodness, we had to convince generations who had thought one way to see it in this new light. And when you see it in that new light, it all makes sense. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're in that mode with Tatum's gone through a little controversy. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, let's. Uh, no, I have a daughter who's recruited to play soccer at uh, University of Florida and wow. has a commitment. She's gone through the whole process and then, you know, things have changed, coaches have changed, and it's it's yeah. been a process. And you want to know that you're sending your child you know, they'll always be your baby off Mm -hmm. to a situation that you feel they're going to be in a safe and successful environment. And, you know, with uh, four weeks to go, all of a sudden the tables flipped and I don't know where I'm sending her. I'm just sending her across the country and I don't know who's going to be receiving her. So that is a very scary feeling. So I can only imagine on such a much larger scale, these mothers and families wanting only the best for their young sons going into football and protecting them from whatever. Not just that, but yeah, and Kelly, you you know this like at the nano level, sports has become such a business and these Mm -hmm. kids, they dedicate their and a lot of times their lives, all of their disposable time yeah. and and parents' resources into this pathway. So you are invested in this. Mm-hmm. This is like... Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. And it's, I, you know, I'm really cautious when I'm meeting with families. Um, and now I'm meeting with them younger and younger because of NIL. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, it's crazy how young kids have to start growing up and becoming, you know, mm-hmm. business owners, if yeah. you will, or business leaders. But I'm really careful to say I'm not replacing your mom. I'm not not your parents. Your mom, your parents have a vital and important role now and will continue Mm -hmm. to for the rest of your life. You're always going to be their kiddo. But I want you to also understand that I will come alongside you all. And I I get it. I understand. And I fight like your mom would or like Mm -hmm. your dad would if they needed to fight in these circles. And fortunately, I have the experience, the training, the the wisdom board of many, many years and lots of trial and error to be in a place now where I know how I can guide all of you through this process and let's do this together. Okay. And I, I had to get away in the, in the first years. I, I realized looking back, I was spending a lot of time trying to convince players and families that a woman could do this. I don't have to do that anymore. Like I, I don't have to be defensive about it. It's mm-hmm. it, it's it, it really truly is having the right mindset and and educating and showing them this is why you need someone who cares, who is nurturing, but is also that fierce advocate uh, in the room for you. And I also love the fact that now women are having success in this industry and they're not getting those questions. They're not getting that pushback that those of us who were there in the beginning were getting. Absolutely. Do you find you touched on the NIL thing? Are you representing more? I mean, I know you were a football agent, but are you representing more sports like other sports and girls sports too? Have you found yourself opening up there or is it still just male dominated? I really was hesitant about jumping into the NIL space. I'm still Mm -hmm. not sure how I feel about it exactly. Mm -hmm. I, I think the opportunity to earn income uh, is a good thing and can be a very positive thing. But like mm-hmm. anything, 
it can also have uh, the negative effects as Slippery well. Slope. Sure. And it is, it is. And so I, what, what are those negative that. things? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, what, what would you say those <laughs> negative things are? I think we're seeing now where, well, first of all, with on the recruiting side, you're seeing kids that are now players that are now put in this position where it's almost like they're free agents, they're yeah. professional athletes and they're free agents. Yeah. And they're walking into things not just developing relationships with coaches and seeing, okay, where am I, is this where I'm going to spend my future? This is going to determine my path in life. You know, what is it that I'm looking for in a school and in a team and in a locker room and the coaching staff? Now it's, well, how much NIO money can I earn here? You know, what money do you have on the table for me? And players are almost forced to do that now because they will be questioned at every school they go to. Well, how much did they offer you? How much did they offer you? And it's, I mean, that's great in a way that players can earn income based on their name, image, and likeness, but it also forces them to grow up really, really quickly and deal with some really major pressure that, you know, when I'm walking with NFL rookies through it and they're already, you know, college grads, or they've at least been in college three or four years, they're at an age where they're ready to grow up and they still struggle with getting the big pay. Mm -hmm. And now we're doing that to kids who are 17, 16 and 17. And there's a big jump in maturity at that level. And so I I think we've just got to be, again, that's my, the protective instincts that I have is, well, let's, let's make sure this is a good thing, but let's also be really protective of our kiddos too. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. There's a reason why I asked that. I was an athlete in college and I feel like as just someone who's a sports fan watching the whole ecosystem of college sports and and now bleeding into high school level Mm -hmm. becomes such a business is very disheartening. It really is because, you know, at the end of the day, how many kids really make it? Yeah. We're putting so much pressure on our kids. I mean, especially I think the things that we're seeing now with mental health in young athletes is it's so tragic and it's, they're under so much pressure as if social media isn't already hard enough yeah. to man to manage at a young age at any age but at a young age now we're seeing this added pressure of making it and yeah. being successful it's tough they can't just be kids anymore no it's hard no exactly yeah. all right well let's get back to Kelly and how your career and what some of the things that you like words of advice let's go to words of advice on women and our age bracket that maybe want to take a new step and a new path like you did. You were much younger. I mean, I think about you walking in that room at 32 when you were telling that story. I was imagining this young woman and how intimidating that must have been. But I think as midlife women, I think we put that same pressure on ourselves and we can feel like that 32-year-old girl still when we are entering our second acts. So what are some... I don't know. Do you have any kind of words of advice or encouragement on giving women um, the strength to go forward and try? and pioneer in their own lives? You know, I think it goes back. I always go back to kind of that, that pivotal moment in my life. And and I was in my early twenties when I had that first sort of, like I said, my, on my knees going, what is life all about? Mm -hmm. But Isn't it true? We, we reached that period like every five or 10 years. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Um, We're kind of, kind of like, like either life has thrown us a curve or we're stuck or we're overwhelmed Um, And it's how do we deal with those moments and those pressurized moments. 
And I go back to what really set me free in that moment. And I, that's where I always find myself going back to is first and foremost, knowing that as a, as a human being, I have worth and value beyond what anybody else thinks of me, beyond what anybody else says, of, says about me or how many followers I have on social media or how many titles I have or accomplishments or how much money is in my bank account or whatever stuff. I, that has my worth as a human being has nothing to do with that. And I think it's so easy, especially as women, because we are so hard on ourselves to be great in every area, to be great mamas, to be great at work, to be great leaders, you know, contributing citizens. We want to be so much to, to so many people. And I think it's easy to get to, to get our self-worth and how we see ourselves wrapped up in all the outside stuff. When really it's, I was put on this earth for a reason. I am valuable just because I live and breathe and I have been given these, you know, this amazing opportunity at life to, and gifts and talents that literally nobody else has. I, I say this in my book and I repeat it like a mantra over and over. You are the only you that has ever existed or ever will exist. There's literally nobody else on the planet that is like you or was born to fulfill the purpose you were born to fulfill. And the other great thing, the other sort of liberating thing in that was, I just had to know I had purpose and I had value. I didn't need to figure out exactly what that looked like. Right. I didn't need to have it all together or say, oh, this, I have this purpose, therefore I'm supposed to do this job. It's just knowing first and foremost that you have it. You have a reason for being here and, and fulfilling it is entirely within your control. No matter whatever, no matter what life throws at you, no matter what people say or people think, it really, none of the outside stuff matters. It goes back to sort of centering and anchoring, anchoring yourself in that hope that comes from knowing that you're here for a reason. And then saying, you know what? I'm going to just move forward toward in the direction of uh, that purpose, yep. the direction of what is important to me, what I value you know, what's in my heart, I'm going to move in that direction. And as I move in that direction, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to, yes. and it may take a while and I may fall flat on my face and I may get made fun of, I may get ridiculed. I may fail a thousand times, but I know that I am moving in the direction of becoming who I was meant to be. doesn't matter how long it takes for me to get there. And when you see things that way, when you do feel like it's time to make a pivot, you don't see it as failure. You don't see it as, well, this, you know, I lost at this or I screwed this up or um, I made a bad choice. It's, you know what? I learned and I am, I'm continuing that that was an experience that I learned from uh, and I am moving forward and I'm still moving towards my purpose. And this was all part of it. This was all part awesome. of it. Yeah. I think you said a key thing, I, you know, knowing and acknowledging you have a purpose, but then not giving two shits what other people say about right. what, what you, once you figure right. out what your purpose is, is, is it's like, okay, well, this is what I'm, I love. This is, this is what I want to be doing and not yeah. giving into the constructs of, well, why would you want to do that? Or aren't you too yeah. old for that? Or aren't you too young for that? Or. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you walked into that room, I, I have to tell you, when I was at West Point, I actually had a professor that he was a former graduate. So they bring those guys back to torment 
You know, the cadets, right? So this guy was, he had a pickle up his ass about women being at the academy. And so he pulled me aside one day. I was really struggling with chemistry. I'll never forget this. He said, you know what? He goes, the fact of the matter is you are too dumb to be here. And he said it in front of like a group of cadets. And I'll never forget it. And I'm like, I'm because I'm, we all have C's right now. Like, what? Why am I being? But you know what? A lot of times you're going to hear stuff like that. And it's a matter of how you do, do you internalize that or do you fuel your fire and say, you know what? OK, I'll show you. Right. Yeah. Like that, that agent yeah. that said to you, what are you doing in this room or what are you doing at this yeah. event? I, I think it was a combine, right? Combine. Yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, you, you don't belong here. Every, you know, women are never going to make it in this industry. Everyone in there thinks you're a joke. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He said it in front of all these reporters and other, other agents. And I'm just standing there like, oh my, like, but my, again, the fact that I was anchored, like my mind went back to that moment when yeah. I was like, on my knees crying out and I went, Nope, I'm supposed to be here. And I remember saying to him, You you don't know me. You don't know you don't know who you're messing with. You, you don't know me. You don't know why I'm here. Yeah. You don't know what I'm capable of. Because he didn't. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, like he was one of the most successful sports agents of all time, still is. Um, actually not as much anymore. <laughs> and and I won against him, which is kind of fun too. But he, I had to know in that moment that he only knows his story. He only knows his way. He doesn't know my story. He doesn't know my way. He doesn't know the purpose that I was put here to do. And so who is he to say, who is he to say what my journey is going to look like? Yeah. So we all have to do that. We all, I mean, that's, I'm not special. We all, we all face those, those challenges and it's rising above it. It's such a daunting feeling when someone that's so powerful can can make you feel that way and to be able to pivot and go go around this big roadblock and prove them wrong. What what an accomplishment and what a good feeling. Yes, both of you. It sounds like I've had multiple experiences in the same in that same light. And it's just what do you do in that moment? You go, you, you just, you grow, you grow stronger. I really, I really believe that. Well, Kelly, I think, you know, at our age, we have road behind us, right? All three of us. I mean, we thought Kelly was 32 because she is stunning, but (laughs) she's, she's in our, she's in our age group. So, you know, just to say, Lisa hears me say this all the time. And we use this adage of, you know, stay in your lane. And I know most people mean it to be, you know, yeah, mind your own business, Mm -hmm. stay in your lane. But I get so, I like, I hate when like, you know, we use it as a focus and I, I make a point. I've got, I've got one kid that is pretty driven. We are two oldest, right? Mm -hmm. Are pretty like, you know, high functioning, you know, firstborns. And then we've, I've got, you know, a couple that are going to, mine's going to take a little longer in the oven. And I say, you know what, Sean, I go, you try all the lanes. There is no lane for you. Like all of this bullshit about, you know, stay in your lane or find your lane and you're supposed to know where you're going at, you know, newly 18 is a bunch of horseshit. You're Such BS. find your lane, switch lanes, try them all. Just, you know, don't be the asshole yeah. that cuts other people off in their lanes. You know, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. okay. So Kelly, you, you were part of a campaign and I, I really, really loved hearing about it. And it was about most people view pain as a struggle and kind of mm-hmm. how you were trying to change that paradigm to pain as progress versus setback. Yeah. Talk us yeah. through that because I think one, it was a fun way on on how you got selected to do that. Talk about it. Yeah. So, you know, 
it was something that I was approached about being a part of this campaign and I loved it. I loved what they were doing with the campaign. It was Motrin had their agency reached out and said, Hey, we're, we're doing this campaign talking about women in progress. And we're talking about the fact that pain is, is just part of a process. It's not the end. It's right. not, it's, it, it can feel like a setback but it actually is just part of that process of where you're going. And it shows that you're moving forward. If you're not moving forward, you're not going to run into resistance. If you're not growing, you're not going to, you're not going to have pain. You're just going to be comfortable. And so it, it sort of shifted that where we looked so many times at women's stories, nothing against, you know, looking at great stories of women who have arrived and have done great sure. things. We all strive to do that. But so much of the message is, here's this woman and she arrived and she's so successful and here's how she did it. And this campaign was like, here are some women who are going through some stuff, who have been through some either tragedy or setbacks or real like deep discouragement and pain. And instead of stopping there and giving up, they, they persevered. Right. And here's, here's what it looks like to persevere as opposed to here's what it looks like to be great and arrive. So they interviewed hundreds of women, you know, over Zoom for this particular campaign. And I didn't think much of it. I gave the interview. And a couple of months later, I get a phone call and they said, congratulations, your story is one of the most painful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for telling me, buddy. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, I think. (laughs) Yeah. So they um, they flew me to New York and I spent two days shooting this commercial in New York uh, with an amazing crew and they made it so much fun. In fact, one of the scenes was supposed to be me sitting and signing a, a player. And so they had an actor there and a girl that was playing his girlfriend. And we spent like three hours shooting this one scene that was just, you know, it was like that long in the commercial, but we spent several hours doing it. And after we got done shooting it, we all got up and the guy said, man, you really studied for this role. Like you were really acting like a, like you knew what you were doing. (laughs) I'm not an actor. (laughs) You were so Um, authentic in that, you know, moment. Yeah. Amazing. And I'm like, yeah, I've done this a few times. And so I got to be part of that, that commercial. And I loved, they, there were five of us that were featured um, in the campaign. And I just loved it. And I loved the the, the feedback, the inspiration I got from the other women, but the feedback that I got from people who saw the ad and said, oh my gosh, I had no idea how hard, you know, how much you went through and how how difficult it really was. And it's funny because I shared some of the moments, some of the most painful moments in that ad campaign, but I didn't share even the deepest pain that I went through. And may, maybe it'll be in an, another book when I'm when I'm much older. I can share everything that I've that I've faced and endured. But I feel like every woman has pain in their lives. It's just part of life, and women feel so deeply. Right. And I hate that it's. I hate that sometimes it's you know it's a knock against women that we're too emotional or you know that we. Which my comeback on that always when people say, "Aren't women too emotional to be sports agents or to work in football?" I'm like. Really, you think women are more emotional about football than men? Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Um, so the fact that we feel things so deeply make us great at what we're called to do. It makes us 
nurturing and makes us, it gives us that high emotional IQ to be great leaders. That's why we need to be sitting in boardrooms. That's why we need to be deal makers. That's why we need to be leading companies uh, and pouring into our communities and doing great things with our platform because we, because we do feel so deeply and it allows us to have that, that, that passion, that empathy, all the things that make it great leader and a great difference maker. Lean into our strengths. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Amen to that. All right. Well, we would be remiss if we uh, didn't go into some- Our kids would kick our ass. Yeah. If we didn't um, at least- Ask if you could share some fun a, stories. A couple or, stories, yeah. like fun stories from a draft or a horror right. story. I, I mean, we got to go there a little bit. <laughs> you don't have to name names. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, and there are so many. I will. I'm going to share the one that um, when people read my book, they always they always ask me about it, or they always bring it up as their favorite story. So I had my breakthrough moment. Um, and I'd been representing players for five years before I represented an athlete who was actually drafted. I had represented players who were undrafted, who signed as free agents. And that was still a huge deal. Sure. But I had, I had, after five years of just like banging my head against the wall and recruiting against the big boys, I still had not landed that coveted draft pick. And so I finally landed one and he happened to be the third overall pick in the draft. Wow. Um, which everybody thought was impossible. And so, but leading up to the draft, of course, we went to the combine, which you mentioned earlier. And for anyone who's listening, who doesn't follow professional football, the combine is kind of a big tryout. So the top 300 or so college athletes that are going into the NFL draft all get invited to one place. It's in downtown Indianapolis. And they put all those players through the ringer. They do drills, they do interviews, they get evaluated medically, and then teams, all the teams are there. So it's like all the testosterone in the world <laughs> in one place at yeah. one time. And so and- I was there with my with with my client, and he called me and uh, was in tears and could barely talk. And I was like, "What's wrong? Like, are you hurt? Like, are you, what's wrong?" And he said, "They're going to make me do an MRI." And I was like, "Okay, like do an MRI. It's going to go fine. You're healthy." And he said, no, you don't understand. I can't. I can't do it. And I'm like, why can't you do an MRI? He's like, I just can't. And it suddenly clicked. He's really claustrophobic. Uh, He's a really big guy. And they were trying to put him in just a normal ooh. MRI machine, which those things that they're, they yeah. feel like a coffin. Like yeah. they're just tight and it's loud and yeah. he just couldn't handle it. And so I said, do I need to come to the hospital with you? And he's like, yes. So went to the hospital. I, you know, he was standing outside the little the room where the machine was bawling and he had his head against the wall and like, wouldn't look up. And I'm like, we're going to do this. And so we tried, I stood in the room with him. I coached him through it. I tried to help him like visualize. I tried to tell whatever I could do. It wasn't working. Every time they would wheel him in, he would freak out. So finally I was like, you know, you've got to go. You have a meeting with the Detroit lions. You can't miss it. Let's get back. I'll figure this out. And so I took him back to his meeting with the Lions. I got on the phone and started trying to find any hospital in the area that had an open MRI machine. I thought if there's something that's open, at least he does that. So I found one. After his dinner, we went back. We went to the open MRI machine. And for four hours, I sat. He wanted me in the room with him. So I sat at the, like where his head was. 
And I, I talked him through it and tears were streaming down his face, but for four, it took us four hours to get like 20 minutes of still film. Wow. And I, I told jokes. I sang to him at one point when he was really struggling. I was like rubbing the top of his head. Going, <laughs> oh, okay. oh. And he's like this 310 pounds, you know, six foot five, massive defensive lineman. But we got through the MRI together and I'll never forget. So the, the tech, when we walked out, the tech was like, first of all, I've never seen an agent do that. You must really care about your guys. Oh. And I was like, well, yeah, they're my kids. And then I heard Gerald on the phone with his dad outside in the hall and his mom had passed away while he was in college. And he, he was like, dad, I felt like mom was in the room. Oh, <laughs> oh my, my gosh. So yeah. Oh, wow. Favorite story. He went on to be number three overall, multiple time pro bowler, about to retire. But yeah, one of the best players, one of the best defensive linemen of all time. Oh, oh my, my gosh. God. That's quite a story. Wow. That got me. Jeez. Uh, me too. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Wow. And, and for, for those listening, and that's that's the video we need to. Use. This is why women can do whatever because, yeah, wow, we have that yeah. emotional piece. Thank you that, for sharing that, Kelly. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. That was um, beautiful, beautiful wow. story. And there's so many other beautiful stories I'm sure are in your book and in your TED talk. So our listeners have to check out. It's called High Impact Life a sports agent secret to finding purpose you can't lose and make sure you check out her book and we will have that posted on our website or in, and our all of our information as well. Yeah. yeah. Before we give out your handles and whatnot, I have a question and, and this yeah. is any regrets? Ooh. Now like I can't say that I do have any. And it's honestly, and this this sounds, it sounds like I'm making this up like it's something you're supposed to say. Mm-hmm. It's not. But I just realized somewhere along the way, I don't know if it was a mentor that spoke it into my life or a revelation of some sort. I just realized that every every single mistake that I have ever made, every misstep, every person that I shouldn't have trusted that I did. All those things that I that I if I could go back and redo, I don't know if I would would ever go back because I learned so much and I grew so much. I've never I've never once had a major victory and grown because of it. I've celebrated it, but I've never learned anything in there. I mean, maybe just, you know, yay, hard work pays off. But (laughs) the places where I grew the strongest and the places where now I feel like not that I feel invincible, but, you know, I think when you get to 50 or almost 50, like I am, you feel like no matter what life throws at me, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've either gone through something like it, or I know I have the strength to go through it. And so, no, I, I, I'm thankful for every, everything, every mistake, every, every decision, wow. even if it turned out to be the wrong one, I learned how to make mm-hmm. the right one. And so now, I can't say I have any regrets. I knew you were going to answer it that way, which is why I asked it. Because I think we feel kind of the same way at times. But I think it takes a really strong woman that's gone through a lot, that has pivoted a lot, that typically doesn't have regrets because you just keep going, right? Yeah. Just keep going yeah. one foot in front of the other. And yeah. uh, and then you sign, you know, first woman to sign a first round draft pick in the NFL. Yeah. Love it. I think the only regrets I've ever had have been because I didn't try and fail. Yeah. Really? Yes. 
that, that, that it, you know? Yeah. So, so true. So true. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's let our listeners know where they can find you, Kelly. And, <laughs> and if there's, okay. you know, where they can find your book. Yeah. So you can order my book on any of the usual book places you order, mm-hmm. Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, you can go to the store if that's your thing. I still like to go to Barnes and Noble. Um, so Amazon, yeah. Barnes and Noble, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Kelly Masters. It's Kelly with an I, Masters, like the golf tournament. And then on Twitter, I'm at KMM Sports. Yeah. Excellent. You have a very active Twitter account, which I love. <laughs> no, it's good. So, you know, yeah. we're, we're not as active on Twitter, but what we love is that it's it's a great platform for athletes. Like, man, they're mm-hmm. on that. And is. Twitter, like inst- everybody loves Instagram, but the sports world lives on Twitter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It I think, I think CEOs and, and sports figures, it's, it's all about tweeting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it really is. All right. So. You re- are you ready to be put in the hot seat, mama? Oh. Yes, I do that. Okay, you'll you have, do great. You have no worries. Okay, so you're gonna you're gonna love this. You're gonna love this too. <laughs> I know. And by the way, I never know what she's gonna yeah. do These in her my, lightning like, round. This okay. is this is part of my um lightning five, round. yeah part of my five year old persona. Okay, I love it. I love it. Okay, and I'm gonna give you a little. I'm gonna give you a little. Okay. All right. Right. Ready? I love. See, I'm playing with my buttons. Okay. <laughs> so I thought about this. The vernacular we all use, right? Uh-huh. And we've yeah. been in business. You're in business. When business and life meet sports, okay? Mm. okay? Okay. So I want you guys to answer. I'm going to say, do you use it in your business or life or lose it? Like, ah, no, and I don't use this. Okay. And you're going to be surprised how much you use. Okay. okay. We'll go through this quickly. Par for the course. Use it or lose it. That's, mm. that's, that's par for the course. Yes. I use that a lot. Yeah. I use yeah. it all the time. Yeah. Use it. I don't know if I use it a lot, but I use it. Yeah. Yeah. Utility player. Mm, I don't. Yeah. Use it. You use it. I think t- I use team player, not utility. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Lost a step. Uh, use it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I might use it yeah. in a different format, but Boy, same sentiment. I think, I think I used it talking about you the other day behind, well, Lisa's really lost a step. What? <laughs> what the hell are you talking What did I do? No, I'm kidding. Okay, this one. Okay, knocked it out of the park. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I use that one. I typically say hit it, but yeah. Okay, you you use this. Punt. Um, yeah, 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 for I'm sure. A, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna punt, punt that. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna pivot punt. somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, hail mary. Oh yeah, for sure. I use yeah. hail mary. Yeah. Okay. God. See, isn't it crazy how much we use in our everyday lives? And yeah. Yeah. Okay. How many times have you heard me say this? Cross the goal line. A lot. Use it. Yeah. 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 Yep. Use it. Full court press. I use that. Yes, I use it too. Well, you're an agent. You we're gonna <laughs> give that candidate well, it's a basketball sort of thing. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. Okay. When we've been out drinking, you've used this. Oh. Take one for the team. Oh, that's the daily. <laughs> I'm always taking one for the team. Okay. And finally, Monday morning quarterback. Some? Yeah. Usually um, but not that much. I probably do more like, you know, in hindsight. No, I say that to my my husband and my two boys all the time. And you better not come back and be a Monday morning quarterback. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, oh, fine. I don't want to get involved or whatever until. Until they have an opinion. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Yes. It's too late. Yes. Too late. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, we're, we always end on song. 
just to kind of close this sucker out. And we're not going to have you sing because it's an impossible song to sing to. But I Googled the top played songs in sports arenas. Okay. And I enlisted the um, help of my boys. And so we collectively agreed since you're from Oklahoma and and it thunders a lot. (laughs) And you have the Oklahoma City Thunder. Mm -hmm. And you've lived your life as Rolling Thunder. (laughs) We're going to end on what song do you think? Thunderstruck. Yes, baby. <laughs> okay, we're, I'm going to tee this oh, I'm, up. I'm wearing my lighting belt here, too. I'm wearing a lighting oh, belt. Oh, look at that. Yes, so, see? Those are the thunder themes. Okay, okay, we're going to end on this. Hold on, I'm going to play a little bit for it. This is ACDC Thunderstruck, in case you're not a sports fan. Yes. Well. Ah. Yes. Yeah. Are you feeling yes. it? Yeah. I feel it. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly, this has been such an amazing experience talking with you hearing your story you really are super inspirational and i think at any age i mean we can all appreciate what putting yourself out there in a new position and what that feels like and moving forward and following your passion and your purpose regardless of what the rest of the world thinks is so powerful so thank you so much and you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna add to that thank you for being a good human because that has bled through this interview and we're we're watching you through the screen and um you know everything that we've reached it's just it's so great and why we brought up the whole using your chair you you know sitting at the table yeah it's using your voice for others and thank you and um everyone needs to read the book so yes Aw, thank, thank you, you Kelly. So thank yeah, you so thank you, much. Kelly. Okay, and thank you to our listeners. Yes, thank all you. Right. Have a great one. Follow us on Instagram at she's a 10 times 5. Click on the link in our bio to listen. You can also find us on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to hit subscribe. <laughs>